Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the Extra Point is good. Number two of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, it is Thursday. It is October 5th. Game day, Thursday night football in the NFL tonight. Take your phone calls around 1115 if you'd like to chime in. 602-260-1060 is the number. The Arizona Cardinals prepping to host the Bengals on Sunday. We'll dive into a little bit about what Josh Dobbs had to say when he met the media yesterday. But first, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions. And we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which is in regards to the Arizona Diamondbacks taking care of business in Milwaukee, sweeping the wild card round, advancing on to the NLDS with the date with the Dodgers on Saturday. Here's the question. Rank your level of surprise regarding the D-backs elimination of the Brewers. The options are high, moderate, and low. High continues to lead the way here at 62% of the vote. Moderate trailing at 38% and low with no love. Okay, well, we'll get to this at uh, the bottom of the hour or so. Also, I just noticed that the Diamondbacks are roughly two two to one underdogs in the series against the Dodgers. We, as you pointed, we will uh, get to that around 11.30. Flipping it on over to Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, Bob caught up with Zach Pearson with BearReport.com talking about the Chicago Bears as they're looking for their first win of the season. Do they get it done tonight against the Washington Commanders? Well, there's a point spread involved as well, so who do you have? Over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060, Bears plus 5.5 or Commanders minus 5.5. The mass is overwhelmingly still on the Commanders side of things, 88.9 percent of the vote yeah i have no idea why this point spread has been so uh, active this morning uh you know about an hour ago there were several locations in las vegas that had gone to six and a half on this game and that was all since really this morning at uh, you know like 6 a.m this morning uh, we used the number uh that the five and a half number and so an hour ago or at least in the uh, nine o'clock hour i should say to be more accurate there were some six and a halfs, and now I'm looking right now in Vegas numbers, and I see some five and a halfs, including at Circa. So this number has been dancing around like crazy, which is, you know, I understand it's a standalone game, but the game doesn't start till five o'clock our time. So I don't do I already checked once to see if there were any injuries or whatever, and I couldn't find before. And I'm mystified as to why there's been so much action on this game at this time of the day. On the day, I know it's the day of the game. But usually this doesn't happen until the afternoon when these numbers change with any kind of uh, you know, wild uh, you know, questions or you wonder, what the hell's going on here? And I'm worrying about, you know, not worrying, I'm wondering about that in the morning, which is unusual. Yeah, I have no guesses here for you because we already know from the injury designation that the commanders should be getting uh, Curtis Samuel back and Johan Dotson. Uh, and we do know the Bears uh, missing some, some defenders, but when it comes to the Bears and defense so far this season, uh, they haven't really put up a whole lot of great stats. 
Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, the Dotson thing is maybe something because I'm not positive. Did they say he's playing for sure? I thought he was questionable. So, But yeah, I don't think that he makes a difference uh, that's going to dance the point spread around like crazy. So I'm... I spent way too much time this morning. A couple of times we've had breaks, uh, you know, like for two or three minutes, spending my time finding out nothing <laughs> to this point. So I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm sorry for your frustrations. We will. Uh... Yeah, every, everybody should be sorry for my refreshment. I'm, you know, you know, I'm sorry for them, too. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, it, we'll answer yeah. the question, and uh, I don't know that we can put to bed your frustrations, but we'll answer the question around 1130 today and still plenty of time for you to cast your vote over on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. As I mentioned, if you'd like to chime in with the Diamondbacks uh, advancing to the NLDS against the Dodgers, Arizona Cardinals, NFL, college football, you name it, 602-260-1060 around 1115. But let's get into the Cardinals as they're prepping for the Bengals to come to town Sunday. It's going to be a 105 start on Fox. Uh, So just kind of an interesting note here that I wanted to start it off with. Just looking at this AFC North, uh, you have the Ravens sitting at 3-1. and The Steelers are 2-2. and The Ravens and the Steelers play each other this Sunday. Then you have the Browns at 2-2. and They are on a bye this week as byes get started here in the NFL. And then the Bengals are at 1-3 and obviously playing the Arizona Cardinals. But just from a mathematical standpoint uh the Bengals at one and three if they don't get a win here this Sunday you know obviously battle for the AFC North is in great peril and then making the playoffs is in huge peril I'll add to this if the uh the Ravens win at Pittsburgh this week it's not exactly mathematical but uh they will have road wins against their other three division rivals I think this the division unless Lamar Jackson unfortunately we get injured again I think it's it's over uh so I put probably spent a way too much time on this with some numbers for Joe Burrow here so we're going to get into it because I spent all the time on it Uh, I just kind (laughs) of wanted to to know good good for you (laughs) Uh, I just kind of wanted to know and put into perspective about Joe Burrow and what what we're seeing from the Bengals this season. You have comments uh, after Sunday's loss from Jamar Chase about how he's always open. Uh, The offensive line, though, has major question marks. Joe Burrow and the calf injury. So all of it together. They're one and three. So if you just take a look, though, at Joe Burrow here, he is an average completed air yards of 3.3 yards. That's according to Next Gen Stats. Bryce Young is the only quarterback statistically worse at 2.7 average completed air yards. There happens to be five uh, quarterbacks that have completed five air yards or less. Interesting names here in this category. Patrick Mahomes at 4.8 completed air yards. We've kind of discussed some of those uh, scenarios here. Dak Prescott, 4.2 completed air yards. Mac Jones, 4.9 completed air yards. Kenny Pickett, 4.3. And Daniel Jones as 4.3 as well. Okay. I think there's one common theme for all those guys. And even in Kansas City. Uh, their offensive line hasn't been bad, but not as good as it was. The other guys, I think they've had bad offensive line play, or in Dak's case, injured offensive line play. I actually went to lunch with a friend of mine this week. And that's a shocking revelation to begin with, that I actually have a friend that would actually go to lunch with me. But uh, in our first topic of discussion, he actually asked me, have you ever seen this many bad offensive lines ever in the NFL? And I think he's 100% correct. I also heard uh, 
uh, an athletic podcast where this was a big topic of discussion earlier this week. Offensive line play sucks in this league right now, and it just gets worse and worse, even before all the injuries, which we've seen like we've had for two years now. You know, teams that have had you know massive, multiple offensive line injuries to starters. And those guys you just mentioned there, I think you make a case that the offensive line play has a lot to do with it. I have a Joe Burrow note of my own. He had the shortest time to throw in the pocket last week of any game so far this season. Their offensive line has sucked so far this year. Yeah, so there's some more offensive line numbers that I have here, specifically in Sunday's game against the Titans. On Joe Burrow's first 10 pass attempts, he was hurried seven times. On the day, he ended up being sacked three times. So maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, he was able to evade pressure or just throw the ball away, which is also why the ball's not going down the field because there's no time. ESPN's pass block win rate for the Bengals in Sunday's game was a meager 22%. The average yeah. pass block win rate is 56%. Whoa. Also, this is against the Titans front, which you can make a case is the best in the NFL or maybe second best in the NFL to San Francisco. Pro Football Focus says that uh, Joe Burrow's passes have been downfield 20 or more yards just 6.6% of the time so far this season. In his previous two seasons, it was 10.5% for Burrow. So obviously that, um, you know... I think they're also kind of a bit of a team that their pass opens up the run. And so now if you're trying to, if you're limited with Joe Burrow and his ability to kind of just escape the pocket, I wouldn't call him a scrambler by any means, but he can certainly move in the pocket and be evasive at times. Uh, With all of that limited with the calf injury, the offensive line play, not even giving him a chance. I think you're seeing that recipe for this offense just really stalling out. Well, and uh, the fact that you know this did not, this was not the, the blitz factor did not play a role last Sunday because the Titans don't have to blitz. But you know, a couple of those first games of the season, uh, you know, they had no concept how to pick up basic blitzes. That first game against the Browns, uh, they had no idea what the hell was going on, not a clue. Uh, and uh, so I think actually, you know, the Burrow, the, the calf injury has played a role. But I don't think it matters if you've got Lamar Jackson back there. If this offensive line doesn't get better, uh, better, it makes no difference whether the quarterback has mobility or not. Uh, So I I guess the big question here is, have we seen enough from this Cardinals front on the defensive side of the ball to, I guess, model the blueprint of what the Titans did last week? Not close. Uh, you know, the Cardinals offensive, the front seven has had massive injuries. They've been moving guys in and out of here off the waiver wire. You know, two of their best defensive linemen are out for a long period of time, uh, maybe for the season in one case. So I think that it's uh, completely irrelevant compare the Cardinals uh, offensive line or front seven situation to the Titans who are elite. Uh, when it comes to the Cardinals injury report, Keontae Ingram did not practice yesterday, uh, still dealing with that neck injury. Chris Barnes' finger was limited. Dennis Daly, ankle limited, but that's an upgrade from him being activated to start practice. Same, too, with Garrett Williams with his knee, limited in practice, activated to begin practice. Uh, the center, Froholtz, with a neck was limited, uh, as well as Jonathan Ledbetter with a finger limited. Josh Woods with an ankle limited in practice. I know 
know Wednesday is Wednesday, so we'll find out more in today's practice. Flipping this to the Bengals side of things, Akeem Davis golfer knee did not practice. T. Higgins ribs did not practice. He obviously left that game against the Titans. Cam Taylor Britt with a concussion did not practice. Orlando Brown groin limited and Irv Smith hamstring limited. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, Higgins says he's going to play, but uh, we'll see if that happens or not. We'll dive into some comments from Arizona Cardinals quarterback Josh Dobbs on the other side of the break that caught my attention. If you'd like to join the program, you certainly can. 602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060. We'll take your calls and talk to you next. Uh, Some takeaways from Josh Dobbs meeting the media as the Cardinals are preparing to host the Bengals on Sunday, 105 kickoff on Fox. More Extra Point on this Thursday, October 5th, coming up on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060 if you'd like to join the program. Check out KDUSAM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, you can follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Phone call time if you'd like it, 602-260-1060. Going back to yesterday with Arizona quarterback, uh, Arizona Cardinals quarterback Josh Dobbs meeting the media and some takeaways from what he said. Uh, Dobbs here was asked about the effectiveness of Drew Petzing as offensive coordinator. A long answer here, but uh, he's very thoughtful in his responses. Uh, Dobbs here said... Smart smart guy. Absolutely, yes. Uh, I think he was a part of some major rover mission where they just went up to space, so he had a hand in all of that when he was with NASA, so pretty cool stuff there. Uh, It worked for NASA. That's a good start. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, When it comes to, though, Petsing and Dobbs' thoughts on Petsing as offensive coordinator, he says, yeah, he's done a great job just being creative, and he does a great job of putting our playmakers in great positions to make plays, and that's all you can ask for as far as a player and as a quarterback from your offensive coordinator. Throw different looks at the defense, make it efficient, make it an easy game, and figure out ways to get the ball in playmakers' hands. So we've done that. We'll continue to do that. Obviously, there are ways that we can improve as players in our execution of the plan, but the plan is giving us an opportunity to go out and compete and win each and every week. I think we have seen that in terms of, you know, usage of Rondell Moore comes to mind and what we saw a couple of different times straight out of the backfield, uh, different motion type plays. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of creativity so far through four weeks. I think he's done a tremendous job. Um, yeah, they have some weapons, though. We've mentioned this, and uh, I think we've learned that uh, even in the preseason, we talked about how you know they've got some guys that can make some plays. Uh, they got to stay healthy, and uh, that's happened so far. Knock on countertop here. Or if I had wood, I'd be knocking on wood, but it's countertop that I'm knocking on. So that's been good. Uh, he's. I think that Petsing's done a really good job, as opposed to Rollis, who I don't think has a chance. 
uh, because he doesn't have anything close to a full deck to really get a whole lot accomplished, quite frankly, on the defensive side. Yeah, I think that we were excited to see what the Cardinals could do playmakers-wise. And I, I think for me, too, seeing this whole new group of offensive linemen come together, you just have DJ Humphreys on the left side as a holdover from, from last year. Oh, Will Hernandez as well. But for the most part, it, it's it's a new group, right tackle, Paris Johnson, rookie. And just, I, I guess, the scheme also helping them succeed. Yeah, I'm not really sure how well the three guys in the middle have played, but uh, you know, Humphreys has had some holding penalties, but that's part of the deal, especially if you're a left tackle. Uh, you know, I think that uh, if you take a look at the list of the most holding penalties in the league on an you know, annual basis, that left tackle is probably even the good ones uh, near the top of the list, if not at the very top of the list of the first few guys. Uh, and then Johnson, after a, not a good first game at all, when he was pretty much a turnstile against Washington, I think he's been very good. Didn't have to do much in week two because Micah Parsons decided he was just going to try to get sacks and didn't really care if the Cowboys were going to win or not. Uh, so they just pretty much didn't even block him half the time because he just ran himself out of plays. And that's why the biggest reason the Cardinals had a ton of yards rushing is because Parsons was too busy trying to have personal accomplishments and not help his team. Uh, do your point here, uh, DJ Humphreys has been penalized four times uh, for 30 yards so far. Juwan Taylor, though, leads the way with nine times. Uh, and then Ikem Aquanu from Carolina is second with six penalties. Well, the Aquanu thing, that's been a, you know, it's a disaster. I think everybody is aware of the Kansas City thing because the Chiefs are on every week <laughs> on national <laughs> television, right? So we've all seen that. But, you know, it's a big mystery. If we were doing Carolina Talk Radio, that would be number two on, you know, what the hell's going on with Bryce Young and, you know, did we think he was this small uh, type of thing. But uh, Aquanu left tackle, who showed some promise last year, has been a disaster so far this year. And even going back to hard knocks when Carolina and the Jets had that joint practice, they just trashed him in that thing. Uh, they didn't per, you know, personally mention him, but if you're just watching the hard knocks, he was he couldn't block anybody uh, in the uh, joint practice. In fact, neither offensive line could block the other during that hard knocks week that they had the joint practices. <laughs> More takeaways from Arizona Cardinals quarterback Josh Dobbs here. Josh was asked, uh, you know, that he's seen a lot of wide receivers, specifically r- rookie wide receivers in his career. So why is Michael Wilson having such success so early? His response, he's so locked into the game plan. He executes at a high level and his effort is tremendous. Being a rookie receiver, right, just to get on the field, sometimes you have to do the dirty work. You got to play Z where you're a little more involved in the run game and on the front mm-hmm. side of the runs and you do have to do some of the dirty stuff that some receivers don't like to do when he seems to like to do it he executes that very well and then that puts him in position in the pass game to be a viable target he's done a great job winning his one-on-ones when he's had them and done a great job in zone coverage understanding what looks the defense is throwing at him and getting to the right areas and find different holes and coverages he's becoming a really good target week in and week out not surprised that he really understands coverages. You know, there's not too many idiots that get into Stanford. <laughs> so, he yeah, obviously went there. I still claim I'm the only person in Maricopa County outside the Cardinals building who knew who he, who he was because he played so little in college. 
and you got to be a hardcore college fan the last couple of years to watch Stanford games because they were terrible and that he wasn't playing very often, but he made so many spectacular plays that I remembered him when the Cardinals drafted him. Then uh, the question here turned to Josh Dobbs and his accuracy in the red zone. Uh, He says here, we put a lot of focus on that. Games in the NFL come down to touchdowns in the red zone. You look at the three-point games, at some point someone kicked a field goal and the other team scored a touchdown. I take pride in it. As an offense, we take pride in it. You know, when we get down there wanting to score, one, protecting the football, but also the window is a little smaller. You know, everything happens a little faster. So just just understanding the defenses and anticipating where the guys are going to be, the wide receivers have done a great job of being where they are supposed to be and on time. For some uh, numbers of comparison of how the red zone has improved, against the Commanders, they were 0-2. The Giants, they were 2-for-3 in the red zone. Cowboys, 2-for-2. And the 49ers, 2-for-3 in the red zone. Yeah, unfortunately for betters, it wasn't 3-for-3 because the last two play passes were dropped. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that would have been, uh, you know, people that had the Cardinals last week would have covered if uh, they caught either one of those two passes, uh, but they did not. They were just flat drops. But uh, I think the the signature play in the red zone so far for Dobbs is the the touchdown pass that he threw to Hollywood Brown when Gilmore was covering him here against the against the Cowboys that was the only place that ball could go uh Dobbs wasn't exactly I'm sure that uh yeah quarterback coaches would say you need to be have better mechanics because he kind of threw that uh off balance and and not exactly leaning into the throw but that was a perfect throw the only place it could the only place it could go for that ball to be caught Absolutely. Uh, And I think this kind of just goes back to it it seems like listening to Dobbs and how he's explaining what the offense goes through in a preparation week um, is that there is a game plan in front of them. But then everyone really understands, you know, what their roles are, where they're supposed to be. So that helps you uh, in, in these game situations when you see you can just react as opposed to thinking it through and maybe not being where you're supposed to be on time because you spent time thinking you're just reacting agreed also i think it's really helped the offensive game plan whether it's here or anywhere you know they've been in every game uh for the most part uh you know i know they were behind early in that game last week against san francisco but they didn't really get out i don't think they deviated too much from what their original plan was uh you know when they cut the score you know the lead to one score even though, quite frankly, I think a lot of that had to do with the the Niners took their gas off the pedal there a little bit, uh, and then uh, when the Niners needed to uh, you know, you know, reestablish the game, they just kind of went out and did that immediately. But the fact that the Cardinals haven't, it will be. It, uh, I don't want to. You know, I would say it'd be interesting to see what happens when they chase points and they have to come from behind the whole game. Uh, that's probably going to get ugly no matter what. But yeah, they have not been in that position from start to finish in any game so far this year. True. Being able to stay on schedule helps anything you're trying yeah, to do. Exactly. And it doesn't better, matter. Better, by, better said by you than me. Thank you. That was, I wish I would. I needed, I needed to use that phrase when I was talking. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't really matter who the team is when you are chasing points and you're forced into being absolutely one-dimensional. Things can get very hairy quickly. Um, but the other thing that has impressed me, too, about Dobbs, just uh, his time here, obviously, 
obviously uh, catching on to everything, the chemistry that he has built over over time with the receivers, the running backs, the tight ends. Uh, I guess I didn't realize that he had that ability to scramble and then at times uh, get those extra yards. You know, what comes to mind is that fourth down run against San Francisco, also his run uh, in the end zone there against the Cowboys. So a couple of different times where he just uh, was committed to pulling it down and running and, and seeing that element of his game. Yeah, that's actually the one thing I did know, but I guess because I watched him in college. And uh, yeah, partly because you know, Tennessee didn't exactly have the greatest offensive line play those days. Their offensive line the last couple of years at the University of Tennessee has gotten much better. But when he was there, he was running for his life uh, a significant t- part of the time, so he had to run. When it comes to one final takeaway from Josh Dobbs as he met the media yesterday, he was asked about the Bengals team, uh, and he says, yeah, I've been in the AFC North for a while. I'm obviously not on the field when Joe Burrow is on the field. You're obviously aware of what the other offense and the firepower they have uh, and that they've shown over the last several years, but we got to do our job, and we're going against their defense, which is a strong, stout group that can be aggressive, try to get you behind the sticks so it comes down to execution. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, I, I'm not sure what he's supposed to say, actually. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, be complimentary of your opponent is probably a good idea. <laughs> Don't give him bulletin board material here, but certainly it'll be interesting to see how the defensive front for the Bengals can uh, get after the uh, Cardinals' offensive line. They've had some pretty good defensive fronts uh, that they've faced here to get the season started. I think it's also, and I don't know this statistically or not, but you know, watching and we've seen quite a bit of the Bengals on national television so far too. It seems as if their defensive front has been inconsistent. I think would be an accurate statement. Uh, you had the one game against the Rams where they were terrific, but the Rams lost their left tackle in that game. Uh, so I think that that uh, played a role. Uh, so you know, I don't think that the, I, I would imagine the Bengals are. A little disappointment, a little disappointed at the lack of consistency from the offensive line thus far. And you know, I'm the guy that sat here and bragged about DJ Reader all of last season. Yeah, he's played, but I haven't even noticed him in a couple of these games. Well, you had every reason to brag on DJ Reader. He had a great year last year. Yeah, it seems like better last year than this year. Maybe I'm talking out of turn there because I haven't watched every snap of every Bengals game. But even if you watched a few snaps from Bengals games last year, you knew who he was. Absolutely. Uh, Once again, the Cardinals host the Bengals Sunday, 1.05 p.m. on Fox. We turn our attention to the poll questions. KDOS1060.com in regards to the Arizona Diamondbacks sweeping the Brewers. Also, there's a Thursday night football contest between the Bears and the Commanders. What happens? ATS. We'll see if we can help Bob solve his problem and figure out why there was so much movement. Uh, in- I, don't think, I don't think we're going to find that out until maybe ever, but if we probably not till inactive list, maybe. <laughs> That's a very good point. Uh, so we will dive into those questions on the other side of the break. So still time for you to cast your vote a few seconds or so for that. KDOS1060.com and on Twitter at KDOSAM1060. We dive into it next. It is the Extra Point.
Ready to bring KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. Right here on KDOS AM 1060. It is Thursday. It is October 5th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Time to get into the poll questions and officially answer them. So let's get things started here with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Rank your level of surprise regarding the Diamondbacks' elimination of the Brewers. Options are high, moderate, or low. Okay, so I'll officially answer the question right now. Um, I'm going to say moderate. It would have been high if it weren't for we found out on Monday that Brandon Woodruff would not be pitching in this series. And at that point, I, the Diamond, I thought the Diamondbacks had a chance. Uh, before that, I didn't like their chances at all. But the fact that he was going to be unavailable for this series, and we found out officially after the Diamondbacks won yesterday during uh, – the Brewers post-game press conference that they could be playing until like December and Woodruff wasn't going to be able to pitch the rest of this season. Uh, so he was you know, a real key to them. He's the reason. And his comeback towards the end of the season before he got re-injured in the final start of the regular season for him, uh, for them and him, uh, that's why I actually thought that they had the best chance to beat the Braves of any team in baseball in the postseason because their rotation was going to be so good. But once it was ruled out, yeah, I thought that uh, the Diamondbacks had a chance. So that's the reason that I, if we uh, had this question on Monday and didn't know about Woodruff, I would have said, you know, what are the Diamondbacks' chances? I would have thought slim. Uh, so, you know, moderate is my answer now because of the Woodruff situation. I'm also with you on moderate here. I think that the way that they won was also surprising. Uh, you know, being behind in both of those games, game one and game two, able to rally uh, back to get the victory here. Uh, also factoring in that game one, because of how everything unfolded, you didn't get Zach Gallen in game one. You had Brandon Fought in game one. Uh, then you were able to go to Gallen for game two. Also, the long ball was working for them. Uh, they were able to uh, overcome some issues with runners and scoring position opportunities. So it, it felt like they had an opportunity to win the series. It came down to the bullpen, which pitched incredibly well. Uh, also, then you had being able to get some runs across, which had been a bit of a struggle leading into this series. So uh, I would say moderate because they were able to come from behind and uh, the way in which the uh, bullpen was able to hold things and the bats were able to uh, step up when needed. Yeah, I think the bullpen's the biggest uh, thing that was a surprise in this series because the Brewers, I think most people thought, uh, had a monstrous advantage uh, in the, the bullpen situation here. While the bullpen of the Diamondbacks certainly got better in the last few weeks of the regular season, you know, the Brewers' bullpen, uh, at least by me, and I assume others considered to be, if not the best and the deepest in Major League Baseball, pretty close to the top if they weren't number one. So, uh, you know, the Diamondbacks certainly uh, – yeah, one out there. They had nine-plus scoreless innings uh, from the bullpen in the two games in this series. 
Yeah, which I think is incredibly impressive here. So, uh, yeah, the, the, there's uh, some great things things there for the Diamondbacks in this wild card uh, sweep of the Brewers. With the masses, though, on the high side of things at 61% of the vote, moderate trailing at 39%, and low at 0% of the vote. KDUS1060.com. Flipping this on over to Twitter at KDOS AM 1060, a Thursday night football contest between the Bears and the Commanders. Bob had a conversation with Zach Pearson, bearreport.com, to chat all things Chicago Bears, where the where the kind of vibe is with Chicago and this team as they are searching for their first win. If you missed it, you can podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. But when it comes to Bears plus 5.5 or Commanders minus 5.5, what side are you on? Um, I start this off by saying, yikes, do we have to do anything in this particular contest? Um, I I, I, have to. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So when it comes, though, to the commanders, I think there's been inconsistencies so far with them. We saw uh, Sam Howell. And a Bills defense really confused him, forced him into multiple interceptions. Uh, They weren't able to score a touchdown. Then a bounce back against a divisional rival and a divisional opponent in uh, the Eagles. He played really well, marching him down the field, giving them the opportunity to tie the game up. Uh, You could then have the conversation that they should have went for two. But anyway, uh, had the opportunity there to play (laughs) really well. Brief conversation between the two of us because what the hell are you doing? Riverboat Ron left the riverboat at home. Yeah, he certainly hasn't been very aggressive, uh, I would say, what in his heck? commander's yeah. tenure, that's for sure. Um, uh, yeah. So so I, I think that you saw maybe some growth there with Sam Howell in those two weeks and the differences in the bouncing back. Uh, when it comes then to the Bears, I don't think that they have uh, the defensive capability to put any kind of pressure on Sam Howell like some of these other teams like the Bills were able to do. So I, I think that you just overall have more talent there on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Playmaker-wise, you could talk about the offensive line. And then when it comes to the Bears, where are they at desperation-wise to get a win? Uh, it is a short week. Typically, short weeks, road teams, that's not in your favor. So I would say Commanders minus 5.5 since you're making me answer the question. Okay, I'm going to make myself answer the question. Uh, yeah, I'm on your side, too. I'm actually hoping for this because uh, in my two-quarterback fantasy league, I'm pretty much down to Sam Howell and Jimmy Garoppolo. I had to pick up as an extra quarterback. And if anybody's listening to this show for like five minutes over the last five years, uh, he's like my least favorite quarterback in the world. But this is a deep quarterback league and a whole bunch of guys and – there were only like five people available for me to pick. So anyway, but I need a big night, uh, big night for Sam Howell tonight. So go Sam. Uh, unfortunately, he's been kind of on the every other week thing so far. It reminds me of Brett Saberhagen back in the every other year thing when he was winning Cy Young Awards. And uh, the next year he was terrible or not good at least. Uh, so it's uh, the first, you know, I always think of that, the, uh, the week-to-week uh, inconsistency for him, it was year-to-year. But at least you figured it out. Uh, I don't remember if it was the odd year or the even year he was good or vice versa. But uh, the Sam Howell thing, bad against the Cardinals for the most part, except for the final drive of the game. 
I uh, forgot who they played the second week of the season, but he was really good. Broncos. Then bad against, okay, against, well, that shouldn't even count, right? Against <laughs> the Broncos. But anyway, week three, he was under a siege uh, by the Bills, who just dominated that game at the line of scrimmage. And then last week, he was really good against the Eagles. So uh, go Sam. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at here. There is zero chance I'll be betting on this game tonight at any point. The masses are on the commander's side of things here at 88.9% of the vote. Bears 11.1% on Twitter at KDUSAM1060. Just some statistics here. Sam Howell, 2.8 seconds time to throw. Six completed air yards, four touchdowns, five interceptions, a 67.1% completion percentage. His counterpart, Justin Fields, 3.07 seconds time to throw. 5.4 completed air yards, seven touchdowns, five interceptions, 64 0.2% completion percentage. Uh, when it comes to Brian Robinson and the running game for the Commanders, he's seeing 8-plus in the box just 16.39% of the time, and he's averaging 0.52 rush yards over expected per attempt. Yeah. He's also on the every other week thing, <laughs> so maybe it's just the offense in general. I don't know what's going on there, so... Uh... It's uh, been a little weird. The, one other quick thing about Fields, he had four of those touchdown passes last week against the Broncos. Absolutely. Uh, Brian Robinson's over-under rushing yards for the game, 64-and-a-half, and the Bears defense gives up 115 yards per game on the ground. Interestingly for the Bears here, uh, so you're going, you, you have whatever's going on with Chase Claypool. He's not with the team. Then you have Eddie Jackson, defensive back. He is going to be out uh, for the commanders. Curtis Samuel, Johan Dotson, uh, back and ready to suit it up. Yeah, even though they, do they have Dotson probable? I thought I heard this morning he's questionable. So, you know, that's one of the reasons I went researching away and I couldn't find much other than he's questionable. Interesting, because the official injury report has him as unspecified, so possibly something has changed. Uh, I thought unspecified well, meant that you're good. Either it's questionable, out, or unspecified. I think unspecified would have been Tuesday. Maybe you got, you know, they, uh, they usually don't do anything until they have to do, they had to do something officially yesterday, and I thought it was listed as questionable. I guess we will find out here shortly uh, as the game does get underway, 5.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime. Did I do the masses already? I think I did. Yeah, the masses were overwhelmingly on the commander side of things at 88.9% okay. of the vote if I didn't already do them. I was too busy trying to think of my next witty comment. I apologize. <laughs> we wrap up this Thursday edition of X Point on the other side of the break. It is Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. One more segment to go right here on KDOS AM Caddy Ray Adams takes you beyond the 18th hole on Saturday mornings with Great American Golf from 6 to 7 a.m. on KDUS M1060. You did not love me like you did. 
edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. It's that time once again, though, Bob. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whatever and whomever else slipped through the cracks. And also our guest today, we had a Bears and Commanders preview with Zach Pearson from BearsReport.com. Covered a lot of things with Zach, including some injury situations for the Bears, especially their secondary. Also, on Friday at 9.15, we'll preview the MLB division playoff round with Scott Miller of the New York Times. Sound of the courtesy of ESPN2, Fox, CBS, WIP, Tex 105.3, that's the Rangers flagship, WDAE in Tampa. Unfortunately, that's the last time we'll say that this year because Tampa is done and eliminated from the playoffs. And SN590, that's the Jays flagship station in Canada, and they're done too. Uh, special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Ridge Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. A couple of things have caught my attention here across the NFL. Uh, for the second straight day, Lions wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown has not practiced due to his abdomen injury, so that is something to monitor for the Lions. Uh, they are hosting the Panthers, however. Yeah, Jamison Williams back. Yep. Maybe he can go deep. They actually, with Amon Ross and Brown, they, they still need a deep threat, and uh, I don't know if Williams is really going to be able to provide that, but that's what he did at Alabama in his brief time at Ohio State when they had so many receivers that he was like the fifth receiver at Ohio State before he transferred to Alabama. Uh, then you also have sources saying that Bill's pass rusher, Von Miller, is set to make the trip with the team to London, that he practiced the first two uh, eligibility days for him to come back, and he had no issues so that potentially puts him in line to play against the Jaguars yeah he's in London I watched the NFL Network this morning and they talked about how he's there so he made the trip at least uh, and then the other couple of things here, Kenny Pickett says that he's ready to go by Sunday, so we'll continue to monitor that situation for the Steelers as they are hosting the Ravens. And you also have to just keep monitoring the Ravens' injury report because uh, it, it's lengthy and it changes often. Yeah, I don't think the betting market really cares about Kenny Pickett at this point. It doesn't seem to change no matter whether they think he might play or whether he may not play. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. I think they've just kind of given up on the Steelers, a lot of people. Some other things that caught my attention around college football. They're set to make some rules changes to the transfer portal. The transfer portal window is shrinking from 60 to 45 days. This is across all sports, and it'll start in the 2023-2024 academic year. So uh, you're in the transfer portal now for 45 days. It's not till like, December, though, right? For the next time, I think it is, December sometime? Correct. <clears throat> so, yeah. But I don't think that's a big deal. They Everybody knows it before. They know it ahead of time. They didn't change it like during the actual calendar. 
uh, when the, the portal was, you know, when people were eligible to transfer. So I don't think that's a big deal. Uh, and then they're also going to be looking at updating the gambling policies that they're set to bring in two other committees to look at these guidelines here. And this is for athletes caught gambling on games that are not involving their own teams. Under consideration, it would be uh, first offense, eliminate penalties resulting in student athletes being withheld from competition, regardless of dollar amount and require education on sports wagering. The second offense potentially involve withholding penalties depending on dollar amount. And third offense could be a loss of one full year of eligibility. That's a waste of money as far as the NCAA is concerned. Uh, you know, if athletes don't want to pay attention to the rules, they're not going to pay attention to the rules no matter whatever, whatever what you do. They, they should be spending their money on other things. The Super Bowl was here in February of 2023. Uh, an independent report was generated here. The findings, $1.3 billion total economic activity for the state of Arizona. $720 million of it went toward the state's gross domestic product. It's the largest ever for the state of Arizona of any type of event being hosted here. Out-of-state visitors spent $220 million, and only 60% of those visitors had tickets to the Super Bowl. And then it also helped charities. 50 different charities were involved, dividing up over $2 million to help their organization. So that's some of the economic impact involving Super Bowl uh, that was here in February. Okay. Another, somebody paid for that, too, I guess. For that survey. As always, we appreciate you taking time here out of your day to listen to us right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It's Friday Spread brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits diving into college and NFL tomorrow, plus hoping our winner streak continues.